Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans podcast with me, Danny Smith, and joining me on the show this time round is our very own health correspondent, Alan Bellinger. Hello, Alan. Hi, Danny. Great to be back. And um, yeah, we've got uh, five issues on um, health matters this, this month, so uh, we're going to cover the wait, the NHS waiting list. Um, we could talk a little bit about the status of H- NH- the state of NHS, the way it's operating at the moment. Um, we're going to talk about um, uh, the the probability that the new vaccines for cancer are coming are coming down the pike very strongly at the moment. We talk about the impact of um, COVID on child asthma. Okay. But first of all, I just want to cover a, a reminder about the um, the COVID boosters. And from uh, from Monday of this week, um, most you know, the sequence for the COVID boosters was to do the care homes first, and then to do uh, the uh, eligible people, such as basically over seventy fives and people with uh, a, a lack of any uh, um, immunity. Lack, lack of immunity. So, so this is from Monday the seventeenth of April. That's right. The list has opened up. I can vouch for the fact that it really has because I've got my appointment already. Um, And I just wanted to to really strengthen the fact that it is well worthwhile going for this booster vaccine when when you hear about it. You'll you'll hear about it either electronically or your your surgery will get in touch with you in, in another way. Um, but so if you're over 75 or if you have a weakened immune system, your surgery will contact you. Yes. And when they do, book. Absolutely book. And uh, if they if they haven't contacted you for a while um, or if you, you, you're getting concerned and want, want to get get onto that list, okay. um, then there's, there's an NHS website that, that's linked uh, up on the um, in the article. Um, and also... Uh, if if you haven't got access to a web, then call one one nine and you'll be able to book your appointment. Okay. Now there is a little bit of complacency, isn't there, these days, that with regards to continuing to keep yourself updated with the booster. You must be aware of this a bit. Well, what are some of the things that people are saying now? Like, oh yeah, I don't need to bother with that anymore. <laughs> um, oh, and they're all gone away now. You know, but but, but that's something that is being said. And, and, and what would you say to that? I was, was certainly. I think one of the things that certainly people are saying is. Yeah, I haven't had it so far, so so I got away with it. Um, and and the answer to that is you didn't get it so far because you've been you've had the booster jabs. So uh, make sure you keep them up to date. And, and also, if you if you're one of these people that has said I haven't had it so far and I haven't had any jabs, you haven't had it so far. The chances are because everyone else around you has had these jabs. So please consider other people as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, right. yes, and what else as well? Because some people might say, "Well, yeah, but I, I had COVID, so I'm protected now." That's it, absolutely. But isn't that a little bit of a fallacy? That's a fallacy. Well, it's a fallacy because although, firstly, although if you've had COVID, you develop antibodies. The problem is there are continuing changes in that in the variants that we're getting nowadays, which means your antibodies may not give you uh, protection. Um, and, and in any case, those antibodies actually um, go away, die, die effectively. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it really is important to keep yourself up to date. So, uh, And those antibodies might be to a variant that was prevalent when you caught it, which yes. may not necessarily be the one that's doing the rounds now. Precisely. Okay. Yep. So, so get it done, and um, if you haven't had anything through, then either con- go onto the NHS website or call one one nine and get yourself booked. It's, it's available mainly in pharmacies, and in this round, there's, 
There are about uh, 12 pharmacies in St Albans doing it. So, uh, so, it should be easy to, so it should be easy to find somewhere that isn't too difficult to get to. Yes, and you can get a confirmed date, date and time and uh, just go ahead and do it. Right, OK. Now, uh, sticking with, with COVID here as we are, um, what are the findings that in relation to COVID with asthma? Because I gather there's some interesting findings that have come out. Well, absolutely, um, and, and particularly child asthma. Um, that Actually, the incidence of child asthma has fallen by 52%. Um, over the over the period that we've had um, COVID, so just think about it: half the number of of, of pe- children are getting asthma now than they did in 2018, 2019. So, so what are the what are the reasons for that? I mean, that's a staggering amount. It's, it's fallen it's, by half. I just thought that was staggering. Yes. So the theory is that there's actually two considerations: the, the drop in colds during COVID because we weren't going out because we were taking all the protections. Um, we, we weren't getting colds during the and, and, and the flu during COVID, and um, and we're also wearing the face masks, which were giving us more protection than we would normally get. Um, and, and colds are really the main trigger for for, for child onset of asthma. Okay. So um, that's that's one side, one good side effect of of, of COVID. That's. Uh, and I think her parents would be very appreciative yeah. of that. Getting rid of all of, or not having to have all of those inhalers around is, uh, that's great. Well, yeah, so it's amazing for, for asthma sufferers then if, if that's fallen by as much as it has. And, and hopefully maybe um, those who, who treat asthma can, can learn from what they've discovered there and that will perhaps help others as well. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Now let's move on to um, cancer and mRNA vaccines. Right. So another byproduct of, of, of cancer is you remember that um, there are two types of vaccines. The traditional vaccine sort of injects part or all of a, a weakened virus into the body uh, to provide us with the immune effect. So for ages, this was the way that flu vaccines have worked. But with the um, with, with COVID, there was the Pfizer and then the Moderna vaccines, which worked in a totally different way, and, and they basically create a template from which the blood will then generate the antibodies that will attack the um, attack the, the germs itself. So it's a, it's a totally different way of, of of working, and so with this ability to to set a a template against which the um, the bloods will generate the antibodies um you can you can change that that template to do all sorts of things and and we said it up in in the past in a very early during during the when the covid was more um, virulent than it is now um we said in the past that there was this possibility well this is coming to fruition the trials are underway um and so that that's that's i think a really exciting uh, outcome effectively of COVID, that if it hadn't been for COVID, these these the um, the Pfizer Moderna type vaccines, which are known as the mRNA vaccines, um, they wouldn't they wouldn't have had been accelerated. They wouldn't have come to fruition anywhere near as quickly. Okay. Um, and so uh, those trials are underway. So for the amount of well, to put it bluntly, the amount of money that was spent on looking at treating COVID, our, our response to COVID. 
it sounds like some of it has had very positive knock-on effects in other areas of healthcare. Exactly. Because we've learned from these things. I, I was talking to somebody the other day about um, those who suffer from chronic fatigue syndrome and ME and associated conditions, yep. where they say that there are some very interesting breakthroughs that are appearing or, or promise of breakthroughs that are appearing through the study of long COVID. Mm. Because long COVID, it would seem, perhaps has similarities to some of these other existing conditions that were around before. COVID yeah, yeah. and um, and so therefore all the money that's been poured into um, looking at uh, long COVID and, and how to treat that is going to have a knock-on effect on other conditions as well yep exactly so um so, yeah, so, so, so at the moment, we talk about um, how uh, cancer is, uh, how we traditionally treat cancer, because yeah. cause th- this is this is suggesting a new way of treating cancer, and there's exactly. three ways of tackling well, cancer. If you, if you think about it, the, the, the main way of treating cancer at the moment is by surgery, yeah. which is fundamentally to cut, cut out the cells. Okay. Um, radiotherapy is another way, or complementary way of treating it, and, and basically radiotherapy burns the, the cancer cells. Chemotherapy, which is the most invasive, um, stops the cells dividing by directly killing the cells themselves. So that's the main way of of treating it at the moment. Okay. But but this new way of treating it, it ignores those three ways, takes a completely different approach, and, and is known as immunology. So what it's doing is it's stimulating the blood, the bloodstream, to create the antibodies to to kill it. And if you think about it. We've always had that capability inside us of, of the bloodstream being able to do that. The problem with cancer is that it is very aggressive in terms of turning f- turning off those the, that capability of the immune cell. So it, it attacks the immune system itself. It attacks the immune system itself and, and stops um, and, and stops us being able to then pre- prevent it ourselves. So, so what the new drug, the new um, mRNA version, the advanced vaccine, is doing is actually strengthening our ability in the in our bloodstream to be able to protect ourselves. It's a fascinating way of going about it. Okay, so so it, it is, rather than attacking the cancer, it is supporting the immune system, which is then being which then is able to fight off the cancer. Exactly. The, okay. ca- the cancer is attacking the, 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 the bloodstream, so the MRA vaccine will strengthen the, the, the bloodstream and enable it to fight back. Okay. What an interesting battle. Yeah. So, so um, where are we with this at the moment then? Is well, this the, advanced trials? These are advanced trials. Um, they, they, sh- they, would be coming, they should be coming um, to fruition reasonably soon. And there's next. I mean, at the moment, it is fairly expensive to do this. It's very expensive to be able to, uh, to tailor a personal medicine because you're not you're not simply creating a medicine that will have handle bowel cancer. You're absolutely you're absolutely getting down to the level of what is the bloodstream doing at the moment, and what does the bloodstream need to be able to attack those cancer cells back. And so um, it's very expensive to do that at the moment. But as research advances, that will just come down like crazy and make it much more effective. Hi, I'm Chris Aikman. Join me, local author Howard Linsky, and St Albans podcast producer Sam Rolfe for this St Albans Film Guide. Each week, one of us will guide you through the new releases at the cinema and on streaming services. We'll also give you our choice of the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. So if you're a film lover, join us for a chat about all things movie-related every week as part of the St Albans podcast. New episodes will be released every Friday morning, 
For more information, visit sullivanspodcast.com or find us where any good podcasts are found. We are back with Bellinger. <laughs> Hi, Smith. <laughs> okay. So our next subject is to talk a little bit about what's going on with the NHS at the moment. Yeah, um, come on, Alan. What and, is going on with the and, NHS at the moment? And, and, and what could we do to try and protect ourselves from some of the shenanigans? Um, so, I mean, there's no getting away from it. The, the fact is the NHS is, is stretched. Um, I would say um, I would say dysfunctional if I was being less patronising. I, I would say it's in an almighty mess. That's a good way of saying it. An um, almighty mess. We, let's not beat around the bush. Here. No, everybody knows this. Yeah, everybody's got stories of how they can't get doctor's appointments. A uh, friend of mine the other week, her mother had a fall and uh, it took 11 hours to get an ambulance to her. Her 90-year-old mother was lying on the floor in the kitchen. Now, she wasn't lying there for 11 hours. We were able to go round and we were able to help her up and put her into a seat, but she had a massive lump on her head. She needed to be checked out. Yeah. And it took 11 hours to get an ambulance to her. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that's a 90-year-old woman uh, at night. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it's beggar's belief. It, should, it just shouldn't be happening. No. How, I mean, really in that instance, be. how they couldn't have determined that if they got her up on her feet, maybe she just needed to see some sort of healthcare specialist, not necessarily a full ambulance. Maybe they could have somehow got a paramedic or a doctor on call or, or somebody else to her to assess her 11 hours before anybody came. You know, they, she fell over at about quarter to eight in the evening and it was something like half seven in the morning when somebody turned up. It's, yeah. I, I, and the sad thing is, that's not an isolated story. Though. Of course it's not. And there'll be people with worse stories than that. And at least this lady wasn't lying on the floor for that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully. And she listens sometimes as well. So she, you know who you are if you're listening. I'm sorry that we mentioned that. Haven't in any way identified you though. And we hope you're doing okay. Certainly do hope you do your okay, especially yeah. after that ordeal. But, but I mean, the contributory factors are, are, are what's going on at the moment. Uh, first of all, the strikes. I mean, you know, they are having such an enormous impact. The number of, 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 of operations and appointments that were cancelled uh, last week through the doctor's strike was it's just horrendous. But, but it's not just the strikes. I mean, the workforce generally... Uh, is is a real issue. You can't get doctors and, and GPs and nurses locally because um, they're, they're, they're all <laughs> enough of them that have been trained. Um, so the workforce is the big issue. The knock-on effect of workforce is, is burnout. I mean, I, I know a number of people who are working on the front line at the moment who are just so, so tired and demoralised that it's just it's sad to see. We're part of the problem because we've, we're increasing the demand that we're putting on onto the health services. Yeah, all those people down there being sick. How dare they? <laughs> but no, but seriously, it's a consequence of the of the waiting list. Um, because the waiting list is is high, then people are getting follow up conditions as a result of that. Long COVID is hitting us now, which was never in the mix beforehand. Um, uh, so all of those factors are really quite, quite you know, have an impact on, on, on the health service. So I thought it would be a good idea to, to say, so what can we as patients do about it to make sure that we don't, we're only dependent on the NHS in the extreme there, There's one on your list you haven't mentioned there, but I think we should as well. Um, you say about strikes. 
and you're talking, you know, especially at the moment, junior doctors and nurses. And, and, I, and I'm going to say something here that I would never have been allowed to say when I was on the radio. <laughs> but, but the problem with strikes at the moment, it would seem, is the, the government's complete inability to, to wish to seriously negotiate with them, you know, and, and the deadlock that has dragged on for ages which is just ridiculous and and the it almost is now the rhetoric is very much that how dare they like, like they don't have the right to strike how dare they protest in such a way you know and and you see the the right-wing rags that that support the government that are trying to make out now that it's the doctors and the nurses that are the villains in this <laughs> yeah during covid we were encouraged by those people to be out on a doorstep and clap for them yep. you know and now they're scum that's the rhetoric and it's sickening yeah, those those frontline workers who were putting their lives on the line during COVID to keep us safe, and now they're treated like vermin. And I think it's disgraceful. And and, and you know the strike action is going to have an impact. But I think what people should think about is why and and why is it? And it is because they are not negotiating. Although your negotiating is taking a very long time, and and it is a negotiating tactic to simply not engage with the other party. And 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 shame on the government for not doing that before and for taking as long as they have. And and you know we don't know the truth of it. We don't know quite what's said in around the negotiating table. We're made to think that the unions are terrible and it's the unions that we should all hate. Um, and, and you just don't know. You know, the government's got a difficult position because they don't know where the money's coming from. They, they've got a deficit. They do not know how to, to plug this. But, you know, I, I'm sure that you ask any care worker, they would have rather foregone the round of applause, you know, and they might well have appreciated a pay rise. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because because I, I remember seeing a cartoon that somebody drew at the time that was of uh, a nurse at a checkout uh, at a supermarket and the nurse was saying oh, I'm afraid I haven't got any money to pay for my groceries but I've got a round of applause in my purse here somewhere <laughs> but and, and the, yeah I'm sorry I laughed because it's not funny it's well, well I mean that, that's a humorous thing but it, it highlights a very serious issue that we've exactly. got yeah, exactly. and, wh- and where is the support where is the love where is it when we were saying how important these things were when we were at the height of the pandemic and you know Boris is on the TV saying it was nurses who saved his life when he was on in, in intensive care because of covid and i believe that but neither of those nurses work for the nhs any longer i know that at least one of them left and mm. it was because of the conditions mm. i believe one of them was an immigrant from another country and then we, we so i'm not going to go on to the, the bandwagon <laughs> about immigrants but it that there's something broken at the moment with this there is no two ways we said earlier it was in a mess we're being polite that the, the whole thing is broken and there are those who speculate that maybe it is being allowed to break because then it makes for a more compelling case to privatise it all. And and those that would, would imply that maybe this is not accidental that it's got to the state it is. But whatever the reasons for why it's got to where it is, it is where it is and it needs to be fixed. And at the end of the day, if you just get around the table and talk, it's, there's no point in shouting at each other, but just talk. There's a compromise position somewhere in the middle there. The sooner you start talking and find that landing ground, then the better it is for everyone. But so I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you, and I don't, I don't understand. I can understand why it's difficult to meet a percentage rise of thirty-five percent. I can't understand why they can't get round the table and talk about it. 
but also we're only getting a snapshot from a very biased source as to what it what's going on at the moment yeah. aren't we 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 believe what we are told in the the newspapers and and there are clearly newspapers with with very pro government agendas <laughs> that are making out that it's the nasty unions and it's the nasty doctors and it's the greedy nurses and you know and and how unfair and you know and 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 they are pushing the buttons of the public and they're saying yeah but it's because of them that your auntie's had a her hip operation she's been waiting for for two years because of these greedy unions she's gonna to have to wait another two years now because they've just cancelled the op and it's not it's not as simple as that no that's that's not a good dialogue <laughs> monologue but but, but in, in the meantime what can we do to try to make the most out of what is available to us through the NHS well, so the, the first thing is what do you do if you're feeling unwell um, and intuitively you should know whether it's whether this is serious or whether it's not serious but if you're not 100 percent sure the nhs website is full of good advice and, you know, at the end of the day we're not good at, at, at judging whether something's critical or non-critical we know something's just not right so so firstly look at the nhs website that that's, that really has got lots of advice nhs.uk that's if you're it. not sure that's it um, and that will give you a lot of advice as well as when, when it's urgent that you should call 999. I think the other thing is when you're out shopping, pick up a few medicines and, and be ready to treat, your, to treat the, the symptoms that you're coming up against. And if necessary, I guess, ask at the, in the pharmacy section of the supermarket or at the chemist, say, look, what sort of stuff should I have at home? And they probably give you some paracetamol and, and maybe some, I don't know, cough medicine and, yeah. and a couple of other little bits. Now, you, you should probably have these sorts of things in your medicine cabinet. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and your, your pharmacy can help you in far more than that. They can, they can they not, not just sort of advise you on the medicines, but also advise you on symptoms and, and what's happening and uh, um, what you might want to consider. And, and also you said about one the, the online service, but also 111, which is both online and a telephone service, yes. is, is so good. It, it provides such a good service. And if you're not sure, they will tell you. They can call you an ambulance if what you're telling them is more serious. Precisely. And they can make an appointment at your chemist's if that's what you need instead. <laughs> you know, they can, do, they can do all of it. Yeah. yeah. And remember, we're lucky in St. Albans that the, the uh, 111 service can make you a booking at the urgent treatment centre at the, at the city hospital. Um, and that, that really is useful because it means you're not waiting for excessive amount of time down there. With timed appointments, you, you're, you're seen on or close to time generally, and, and that minimises waiting time. Um, if you need the, if you think you're in a, in a 111, sorry, if you think you're in a medical health, mental health crisis, then call NHS 111 and get straight through to their mental health team uh, by selecting option two. So that's that's a good way of getting support if uh, if you you think you're having a mental health crisis. Okay. Um, now, what about A and E departments? Because is there a real danger that maybe we're still overusing those and that we're going to those with issues that, quite frankly, we could have gone somewhere else for? The, that that still is happening quite a lot. I think. Um, so it's sort of serious and life-threatening conditions only for A and E. Absolutely, yes. Just, just, just make sure if it really is life-threatening, then you should go to A and E. And the reverse is true. Um, yeah. If it's not, don't. Yeah. Um, 
and don't don't visit anyone in 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 hospital or a care home if you've recently had uh, diarrhea or vomiting because stomach bugs spread very quickly and um, you want to be able to protect people like that so just just be careful on that one how recently i mean how long should you give it say since having some sort of diarrhea or vomiting before you go to to a hospital or care it's best to wait if it's within 48 hours then then definitely don't don't go out so so don't expose yourself because you are you are very contagious okay now finally what about waiting lists what's the what's the local situation with waiting lists at the moment well i managed to talk to to someone yesterday and get the the, absolutely up-to-date figures from um for, for watford hospital and, and, and there's some good news actually on the waiting lists. It's, um, so the the government the government requires that um, that that by the end of April by the end of yeah by the end of April um, then no one should be on a waiting list of over over two years. And Watford's achieved that. Um, so no one. So by the end of this month, no one should be waiting over eighteen months. And so that's is that what the government guideline, or is that what Watford are saying? That's that's the government guideline. Right. So not two years, eighteen months. So eighteen months. Okay. And Watford are saying um, they will achieve that, and so that's down from one hundred and fifty-six in May last year. So from one hundred and fifty-six months, they've got it no, down to no, eighteen. No, one hundred and fifty-six people on eighteen months, it's coming down to zero. Right, and they've got that. They've reduced that within a year. Yes, I guess that's fairly good, then, isn't it? So, uh, the next target is people waiting fifteen months. Um, that that's fallen from a high in eight hundred of eight hundred and thirty in December down to six hundred now. So in four months, they've they've reduced that by what? what uh, was that a quarter? A quarter, just over a quarter, isn't it? Okay. Um, people waiting twelve months. That's down from four thousand three hundred to two thousand three hundred. So that's fo- so, and that's since November, isn't that's it? Since November. So, so in back. six months, they've they've halved that almost. Yeah. Okay. And the, and the last metric I got out of them, which I thought was is really interesting, ca- the cancer. Um, the requirement is that if you have been diagnosed by your your GP as potentially having cancer, you should be seen within two weeks. Um, and that the weight performance on they're, they're, they're seeing ninety percent of people um, within within the two weeks at the moment, and and um, that's the first time that they've got to over the ninety percent mark. Okay. Since the summer of twenty one. So. So a small amount of good news coming out of Watford Hospital. A small hospital. Of no amount of good news, but 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 no, I'm mean, no not good. But anyone who's been on the waiting list that long, that is mega good news. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alan Bellinger is our health correspondent. He comes here every month and he shares with us the latest on the health situation in our local area. Alan, thank you very much. Uh, A summary of what Alan has talked about on this edition of the podcast can be found in an article he has written. The link to that article is in the episode notes right now. Uh, You can find that also by going to our website, stalbanspodcast.com. Alan, until next time, thank you very much. Thank you, and I'll look forward to next month. Yes, uh, don't we all? And uh, yeah, thank you as well, dear listener. And uh, we will be, well, we've got the film guide coming up later this week with uh, Max Hartington uh, hosting the film guide this time around. uh, And that's a look at 
uh, the latest in the cinemas and also uh, Max's suggestions of what we can watch on TV for the week ahead. So if you want to know about a film that's coming up, Max is the person to listen out for and he'll be here on Friday uh, on the Film Guide show that we do, uh, which is a sort of a sister podcast, but part of this whole network. You can find it uh, and find out more about it wherever you found this one from. If you search for Cinnamon's podcast, chances are that was one of the results as well, the Film Guide. But you can find out more about all of what we do on our website, cinnamon'spodcast.com and also on our social media feeds. We are on Instagram, Twitter and on the Facebook and we are at St Albans Podcast. We will catch you again real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this edition of the St Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. Join us, the St Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolfe. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Heart Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.